Welcome to Good Vibrations Radio, Tools for Transformation. Now, quantum physics tells us that we are all energy vibrating at different frequencies. And in Good Vibrations Radio, we bring you information that allows you to change the vibrational frequency of your life. We're your source for everyday alchemy. So you can turn the lead in your life into gold. Good Vibrations Radio is made possible through the sponsorship of Magic for Life, the promoter-producer of the Rota Psychic Fair. Now, the Rota Psychic Fair has been a constant in Monterey County for the past 36 years. Our last fair was November 4th, 2019. Thanks to the COVID pandemic, we've had to cancel our shows for this year. But we're scheduled for April 17th, 2021 at the Monterey County Fairgrounds. Whether we have it or not, we'll see. But I encourage you to sign up for the email list on rotapsychicfair.com or goodvibrationsradio.com so you can be notified about the upcoming events. You know, we went off the air with Good Vibrations Radio in 2018 after 11 years. We were slowly making our way back now. Now, previous shows can be found by visiting the podcast page at goodvibrationsradio.com. The link is on the homepage of the website. For those who've listened for quite a while, you know that each year I pull a tarot card for the year, and I use the Osho Zen Tarot. Now, this year, the card for 2020 is the Four of Rainbows, the miser. The Four of Rainbows shows a woman who's created a fortress around herself. She's clinging to all the possessions she thinks are her treasures. And by holding on to her treasures, they've become faded, tarnished, and ugly. And so has she. This year is all about not hiding behind our things, whether our things are emotional, physical, spiritual, intellectual. This year is about revealing our true gifts, revealing our true self, being who we are meant to be. At our quarterly preview in September, we sh- where we share the energy, the astrology, the numerology, and the wisdom of the Tarot for the coming quarter, I pulled the card, The Fool, for November. Now, The Fool is a major arcana card, a higher energy, a higher potency card. But a fool is one who goes on trusting, who trusts beyond his or her expectations or his or her experience. You deceive a fool, but the fool continues to trust. Now, those who deceive the fool call him or her a fool because the fool still trusts after the deception. But the fool carries his innocence symbolized by the white roses he carries to show his intention is pure, his meaning is pure, and his desire to learn is open. His trust is represented by how closely he walks along the edge of a cliff, yet still trusts his footing and his safety. And his vest contains all the colors of the tarot, saying that he's in harmony with the universe. So at this time, if you trust your intuition in this month of November, 
then trust that nothing will go wrong. Don't be reactive. Don't be responding to everything you see in the news or TV. Trust. The fool is beginning a new adventure. The fool is ready to jump into the unknown and enjoy the adventure. And so should we. As I said earlier, this year is about revealing our true gifts, revealing our true self and being who we're meant to be. So this is the time for us to open up to that if we haven't already done so this year. Open to being that true self, that life that you're in this world to be. Now, before we talk with our guest, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a speaker, a performer, a reader, a healer, a radio host, and an author. I've been part of the metaphysical community all my life, and my undergraduate and graduate degrees are in metaphysics. And this show shares a variety of metaphysical subjects offered by those who have explored those areas. Now, metaphysics means beyond the physical. Metaphysics means more than what we see. And using even the Osho Zen as a premise, where the object of Zen is to say that everything around us is an illusion that we create. So we always have the opportunity to shift. And our guests bring you information that allows you to shift. Now, a habit I've built up over the years is to start every show with a reading from Day by Day with James Allen. Now, in 1903, James Allen published his essay, As a Man Thinketh. And he chose the title from chapter 23, verse 7 of Psalms, which says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It was described by Allen as a book that will help you help yourself. He wanted all of us to know that in our own thought world, we hold the key to every condition, good or bad, that comes into our life. Our present reality is a direct outcome of our past thoughts, intentions, and beliefs. But our future is not predestined by our past. By working patiently and intelligently on our thoughts, intentions, and beliefs, we can remake our life and transform our circumstances. And in Day by Day with James Allen, his essay has been broken into a separate section for each day of the month. For the 20th day of the month, James Allen shares, Be Blind to Failure. He who cherishes a beautiful vision, a lofty ideal in his heart, will one day realize it. So what vision are you carrying? Is it a vision of revenge against political figures? Is it a vision of alienation of neighbors for their political beliefs? Is it a vision of retribution and accountability? There are so many separations in our country right now. It doesn't take much to create a blame mindset, followed by judgmental characterizations. Obviously, if you believe that way, you're an idiot. Obviously, if you believe that way, you're a moron. Obviously, you're trying to destroy our country. But now is the time to release, forgive, and understand. We do need an accounting. We do need to understand. But we can only do that with open, unconditional eyes. So I ask you to consider what vision do you hold? And what can you do to shift the vision to one of acceptance, understanding, and connection?
Imagine all the people living as one. Do you remember those words from John Lennon's song, Imagine? He may have been a dreamer, but he left a lofty vision. A vision is to never let, uh, for, is for a vision that is meant for us to adopt as a new vision. Remember in life, there are no mistakes, only lessons. And to help with my focus and thoughts, I've shared many times that I have a series of prayers and affirmations I use each day to help me focus and reframe my thinking. I do a morning and evening series of forgiveness prayers. I do a gratitude affirmation. I do ho'oponopono. I do unconditional love affirmations. And I collect a positive thought from the daily word produced by the Unity School of Christianity. The daily word for Friday, November 20th is, I make a unique contribution to the world. (laughs) Resist the urge to look for validation from others. We're all a reflection of the divine. We're all responsible for sharing our light. Each of us is a unique example of a human being and the human spirit. As we used to say in the 60s, let your freak flag fly. When something is beyond our control or we're facing a challenge, the most productive thing we can do is let it go. Write it down, throw the paper away, give thanks for the good in your life, and release to the universe the negative thoughts. We started this month in the heart of the Scorpion influence, a blue moon, full moon in Taurus, on October 31st, ended October, and began November with the energy of objective clarity. The full moon was walking with Uranus, the revolutionary planet, and they brought forth insights and inspiration, and the truth has that has always been out there has been brought forward. For us in the U.S., it culminated in the presidential election, coupled with a Mercury square Saturn, obviously making communication a little uncertain, a little less clear. Saturn's the planet of learning. It presents challenges for us to overcome so we can learn the lesson. It's the astrological equivalent of Ganesha. And we all know Mercury as the winged messenger of the gods, guides communication. We've led through the last several weeks as a series of surprises as the energy has shifted from one to the other to the next. And then... Mars finally went direct at 15 degrees Aries two weeks ago. It's been a long ride. And when we talk about Mars and Aries, we mean literally a ride. When retrograde, Mars and Aries is forced to slow down and find new ways of doing things. It's not like we worked less or were less active when Mars was retrograde. It's just that we had to put more effort to get things done. Now that Mars, hopefully has learned new ways of doing things, he's ready to move on. And on the 15th, we had a new moon at 23 degrees Scorpio, which was a a great new moon because it made favorable aspects with Jupiter and Pluto and Neptune. So the ruler of the new moon, once Mars went direct, it also has new plans because Mars was the ruler of that new moon. So the entire month has picked up the energy of moving forward. And we're ready to get unstuck. And on the 17th, Mercury in Scorpio was opposite Uranus and Taurus. A little bit of a surprise mixed with a breakthrough, breakdowns, and limitlessness. Then Venus squared Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn in Capricorn. Capricorn being an Earth and grounded sign is also a very 
stubborn sign, but that stubbornness leads to persistence. So this meant I'm looking forward. I'm ready to take the journey and take the ride. This said, I will go underneath the fool and guide his feet as he moves forward and trust, looking forward for the new, the hopeful, and going into the adventure. Tomorrow, the 21st, we have a change in energy as Venus leaves Libra to move into Scorpio. So Venus goes from the balance into the depths of the deep emotions. And the sun leaves Scorpio to move into Sagittarius, the archer, the humanitarian, the one looking to make grander changes on a global scale. Our focus will shift from relationships and intimacy to uncovering the truth and finding the light within. And then after Thanksgiving, Neptune will turn direct in Pisces, which will lead us to a more sensitive, a more clearing time, a much inner clarity. And on the 28th of November, Neptune will turn direct into Pisces just in time for the holiday season. Now, Neptune expands spirituality, extrasensory senses, daydreaming, fantasy, and sensitivity. And so as we travel through the Thanksgiving week, all of us are going to find ourselves more open to our intuition. We need to trust and listen. And then we'll close this month with a full moon and lunar eclipse in Gemini. So this eclipse will mark the official beginning of the new eclipse season. And I'll share more about that in our December 4th show, where we'll speak with Eve Crow, the shamanic spiritual teacher and healer. And that leads us to today's guest. Christine Arilo is the author of Overwhelmed and Over It. Embrace your power to stay centered and sustained in a chaotic world. Now, she's a feminine leadership advisor, transformational speaker, and the best-selling author who leads retreats, workshops, and programs around the world, working with women to make shift happen. Her 15 years of corporate MBA experience in marketing strategy and leadership communications, combined with her 15 years of spiritual study, of the divine feminine, yogic, and earth-based wisdom traditions helps her provide a unique approach to guide women how to live and lead their lives in a holistic, internally empowered, and personally sustainable and satisfying way. Now, each chapter of Overwhelmed and Over It helps women increase their awareness around the seven root causes of overwhelm, burnout, and self-sacrifice that keep women stuck in the vicious cycle of overdoing and overgiving. Christine provides practical exercises and tools to allow women to gain awareness, consciousness, and embrace their full potential. Christine, I'd like to welcome you to Good Vibrations Radio. Thank you so much for being here and what we've gone through through our scheduling and rescheduling and everything else. <laughs> Thank you. That was a very inspiring start. I just, I was just, I was just doodling over here. <laughs> full moons and eclipse. And I love it. And one of the best things I did to get out of overwhelm and burnout was to start living my life and planning my business and everything I do by the moon cycles and the seasonal cycles. So oh, wonderful. Uh, 
it is uh, my pleasure to be here with all of you. One of the things you say in your book, I, I, I enjoyed, I will acknowledge that I'm, while I'm a speed reader, I did not speed read the whole book. I actually went through and looked at sections and areas and, and things. I especially liked, which I can't show because I know a loss in there, in the table of contents, the way we were, went from re, a release to embrace. And I'll just use chapter one here. I have it open to that. Release. Do, be, and have it all, and embrace. Choose what's right for you. So I like the way you created the book as a journey between what we're doing or what especially targeted to women, what we're doing that is not helping us, and then what we can do to replace it with that will help us and support us. So when you say the way of working isn't working for Mm -hmm. women and it has to change now, what does that mean? Mm. Well, I'm going to dive into that, but first I want to say that the way of working isn't working for anyone. Not really. It's not working for humans. And it is true. I I am a woman and I did write this book for women because it's a book of feminine wisdom. But the, but the book is for all of us. It really is. Um, and it, as far as the wisdom within it, because the feminine, as you know, as I can look at behind the screen here, you have, you have the sun on one side, you have the moon on the other side, you have the masculine and the feminine together. I mean, that's it's inherent in all of us. And the feminine has been something that's been dismissed and discounted and smushed and um, overrun for a long, long time. So I just want to say that the way that we're working really isn't working for real to, for any of us. And, so you just want to take an exhale here with me. Sure. I think we, um, I think we've all known it for a long time. And when I, um, I've been researching this kind of like, why are we so overwhelmed? Why do so many people feel so overstretched? Why are we constantly feeling like no matter how much we do and how hard we work and how much we create, like there's never enough time or never enough. Like there's just go, 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 go culture. And there's a series of things that happened to me over the last 10 years that caused that catalyst to happen, including um, right before I left my corporate job in 2006, I was sitting in one of those um, big meetings with everyone was in the, was in the room, all hands-on meetings, you know what they call it. And the COO, CEO had gotten up and talked about all these wonderful things that we had been doing. COO gets up and he says, you know, we've, we've, diminished our debt and we are, you know, we were at jump bond status. I worked for the gap at the time and um, they had like financially healthy. We've stopped sweatshops and 150,000 employees have benefits now, like all these really, really, really good things. And then he says, but our earnings per share is down a penny because our same store sales aren't growing year over year. And so therefore the stock market has decided, yeah, you know what, you're going to downgrade your value as a company. Therefore no one's getting benefits or any, no one's getting bonuses. And we all basically have to figure out how to become a $20 billion company. And, you know, I was looking around the room, you know, and I'm just like, does anyone else see what's going on here? Like, is anyone else like, what are you, what, you know, what's, what's happening that like, it's not okay to just be a $15 billion company that provides healthcare and treats their employees well. And it was a good company to work for and is doing good work to try to be socially responsible. You have to make more. And that was one of a series of of awakenings I had um, where I was like, something is wrong. And and at that time in 2006, I would go around and I would ask different thought leaders, like, 
Why is this the growth model? What is what is going on? And no one could really answer my question. This happens to me, it's happened to me several times in I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna dive in and I'm gonna be like, what is going on? And and now ten years later, and after three years of writing it, overwhelmed and over it is the is the process, is is the book. And I couldn't imagine having have picked a better time for it to come out because as I was literally finishing the edits in March and April and May of this year. And I've been talking about this of how we're working isn't working, as many of you probably already understand, but no one seemed to care. Not no one, but people are too busy. We're too busy just trying to keep our heads above our, the water and not drown. And 2020 was like a deluge. I mean, you just spoke to it in your introduction. This is like, wake up everyone. How we are working in this world is not sustainable. The way the systems have been created we're not created with humans' best interests at heart or this planet's best interests at heart. And that's where we're at right now is a reckoning around that and what I hope will be an awakening that all of us take our part and those that, um, you know, this, that we, we create a different way because the humans made the systems, which means we can basically. <laughs> well, and I think taking, taking from your book, I, I want to, I want to extrapolate out from what you were sharing, which was really wonderful. I'm so glad you shared all that. And, and to take that out a little bit, I, and I think your book talks to this from the pieces that I went through is that it's also not about, in my opinion, creating a system for everybody. It's about each of us helping to create a system that works for us. And I believe ultimately that can create a new system. I think one of the problems is we keep trying to top down things and our economic system is a very top down thing where it, the system says to you, you must play our game our way. Mm-hmm. And I think when you ask us to find what supports us, then that's saying, find the game that works for us and we can plug it in to different systems. Mm-hmm. But if enough of us find the way that works for us, we can shift the whole system. I, 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 I believe that, whether that was your intention or not. Oh, but, is that, yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, it's Gandhi. I mean, this is, would be the change that you wish to see. I always, you know, I, I've been in this, the metaphysical world for a long time myself since I, I got woke up by the universe at the age, <laughs> at the age of 30. They're like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to stay asleep. You better wake up. Like, I tried to try the universe, try to wake me up at 18. And then I, you know, <laughs> I went back to sleep for a couple of years. <laughs> And then most of uh, us do. Most of us do. <laughs> and then at thirty, um, that, that was the, the topic of my first book, choosing me before we was basically my wake up call relationship. And yeah. I think God, every day that that my ex fiance broke up with me because I wouldn't be here with you all <laughs> right now. Um, and that was my wake up call. But that that um, that that is how it's supposed to happen. I mean, God, I always say, be the change you wish to see is not a refrigerator magnet or a journal cover. I mean, although it is. In some ways in this world that we, the metaphysical world and this reality of people who kind of are, are conscious, it becomes, it's like vanilla. And so we just, we spout it off. But I, I but what is, I was writing overwhelmed and over it. And even, even my, I don't know if it was my publisher or my agent, she said, Christine, you can't put that in the book. It's so tired. I'm like, no, no. That's not tired. <laughs> We're missing the point of like, it's, that's a life directive. Just like the, the, my first couple of books are about self love and, you know, the, the teaching is very specific. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Not quoted exactly, but that's the gist of it. We still haven't gotten that. 
No. So everything you just talked about, blame and judgment and all of that, like so much of that comes from the inside that we're not able to be with. And so in Overwhelmed and Over It and in my research, what I found was, yes, there are very specific systemic reasons why it is not our fault that we have not been able to get out of burnout because the systems are set up that way. But that's not a very empowering place to stay. I mean, you got to be awake to it, but the real power comes from actually looking at our own imprints, hmm. looking at our own prints. And I found at least 12, and these are not just for women. There are, they are, they, 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 some are specific to women, but many are specific just to humans that cause you, cause us, cause me. I don't know about you, but I know about myself Please to overgive, to overwork, to push, to to allow my ego to drive the show, to exhaust myself, to, I mean, this is, if you, if you don't know how your own internal operating system is working, you can't actually be the change that's going to create a system based in wholeness and wellness and interconnectedness and sustainability because you will create from the wound instead of creating from the wholeness. So humans who create from the wound create wounded systems. People who create are now whole within themselves. And I've already made, you know, Doug, I, I'm committed to my wellness. I'm committed to my sustainability. Then we can create the consciousness from the consciousness that then creates these systems that, ha- that value wholeness, wellness, sustainability, and interconnectedness at the core. When you're saying find your inner self, find what's really important to you and what are you just doing out of your routine? What led you to make that? And what was your experience going through that transition process? Yeah, well, it goes back to the imprint that you talked about of do what's aligned for you and the choices that we make. And so I am actually, I work with a lot of people who work inside of corporate systems and who work inside of organizations. I don't think everyone should leave those systems because you've got to change from within. But my calling was it was different. My calling was very specific. For in order for me to go as deep as I did spiritually, I needed to be outside the system so that I could work with people within the systems to to, to change together to elevate. Mm-hmm. And I've looked back. This is actually a question I would have for everyone listening. Um, one of the superpowers I, I teach, and then I also wrote into Overwhelm and Over it is the superpower of crazy wisdom. And um, it's I'm, I can read can I read the definition just from yes, the, ma'am. you certainly may just it's so much easier because I wrote it so well and it was edited so well so on page five the crazy wisdom is really all about the courage and clarity to make choices that are right for you and that comes from this deep feminine wisdom within you that's willing to shake up the status quo and stay true to yourself. And so here's what, and as I read the definition, I would imagine that everyone listening and that you all have had moments when you have heard that crazy wisdom, you maybe you have listened to that crazy wisdom, but oftentimes maybe you've also run the other way and hung up the phone. And then the universe, like happened to me at the age of 30, came by with a big old whack board and whacked you out of your life. So the goal is to try to listen to the crazy wisdom before that. So here's what crazy wisdom is. The superpower of crazy wisdom is the willingness to explore, to trust, to speak, and to act from your deep heart wisdom over conventional wisdom or outside intelligence, even if it seems crazy, irrational, improbable, or irresponsible, or stretches you outside your comfort zone. And so if I look back over my life and I think about the like the age of 30 of literally when that happened, when my engagement ended, I, um, 
I had, I followed my crazy wisdom to leave my big house, to have to leave my dog, which to me was like leaving my child because <laughs> I knew I had to get out of that environment and go move into my friend's studio apartment, um, for three months and, um, and start my life over and eventually to go back and get the dog. Um, when I finished my MBA, getting my MBA in Chicago, all my, you know, good friends were going to get big consulting jobs and big jobs inside of companies that in the Midwest, basically like craft, you sell cheese, which is not even really cheese. Like, you know, they're going to go do those things. And I didn't want to be a consultant. I had done that. And I wanted to follow my dream. My heart was like, this is your time. This is your time to follow your dream of working in fashion and living in California. So I got in my car with no job and, you know, sold my house, $20,000 in the bank and went. And that was following my crazy wisdom. When I had that awakening in 2006 and I really saw the depth of where the, um, I call it the linchpin of like the, the, until the, until what we value as, as an economy changes, I don't know that we can actually totally change the systems. Mm. So, you know, cause at the center of that is profit. That is at the center of everything, not planet, not people. And so you can keep adding a third bottom line. You can keep adding these other things, but we literally have to shift our value system and that has to happen from within. And so, in 2012, another another crazy wisdom story, I was writing my second book, Madly in Love with Me, and I have a moment that um, I call the superwoman sob moment. Sometimes I, I, I've, um, and you don't, you don't have to be a woman to have it, but it's when the pressure of your life is too much and the way your life is constructed isn't sustainable. And so I was working, I was running two companies, I was writing this book, I was teaching, I don't even know how many classes at the time, and no matter how much I worked, and at the time, my businesses were probably grossing well over a half a million dollars, there was never enough. There was never enough to like, you know, just like paying taxes was a stress. And so all these different things were stressful. And I was writing the self-love book, and I literally was sitting in my friend's backyard working on a chapter, and I just broke into the, the tears just came. So it's not my first superwoman sob. But what I learned about these sobs, and this is where why the book is called Overwhelmed and Over It is because when you get to that place where you're overwhelmed or you're distraught or there's despair or it's just like it's too much, I can't keep working this way, I can't keep doing it, it is like that crazy wisdom, that intuition saying stop and look around and listen. Something is out of alignment. Something is in, in harmony. And so when I stop and ask that question in that moment, what I heard was, Christine, your the debt is strangling you. And the debt was my mortgage in this big California mortgage and the taxes and then also the credit card debt I had accrued to start my business because I didn't have the big, big corporate salary anymore. And I didn't change my lifestyle to match the decrease in my revenue. I, instead, I tried to just work harder to make more money. Mm-hmm. And so I get to this breaking point and I go home and I basically say to my partner, I'm like, we need to sell our house and we need to refinance our debt and we got to change our life. And so we did, you know, and I basically um, short sold my house because the, t- the market in California had tanked, which means, by the way, everyone, you stop paying your mortgage because the bank system won't renegotiate with you, which the Midwest person to me is like, are you crazy? No one does that. Who stops paying their mortgage? Your credit score is going to go in the tanker. And I have like an 800 credit score, but I, I had to stand there and say, what matters most to me? my happiness and my health or my credit score. Mm -hmm. And it was like a holy self-worth moment. And I chose my self-worth and I chose myself. 
And Noah and I from there became nomads for three years and we lived all over the world and we had a grand adventure. Um, but those are the kinds of, you know, moments when you make a choice, not a dumb choice, not a, not a, not a non-grounded choice in some magical blind faith, you know, airy thingy, but like that rooted place in you that knows like, I need to make a change. I need to make a choice. And I'm supportive. Talk about it. I have to trust. How deep does my trust really go? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a wonderful explanation for everybody who's listening. I think they can grasp a lot from that. One thing I do want to say, though, is that I think don't worry about saying, oh, this applies to men, too. Your book was written with women in mind. Men should be smart enough to draw out of it what they can. <laughs> Just keep your language because I don't want you to feel like you have to pacify us just because we're we're the hunters and you're the gatherers, you know, just. Oh, no, don't make no mistake. I'm a hunter. <laughs> make no mistake. I was bred to be a hunter and my partner was bred to be a nurturer. Like, and a nurturer together. Good. Yeah. But I meant you, you, you don't have to keep pacifying us. I just, just tell it as you would, because you're really predominantly teaching and instructing and dealing with women. And let's put it in another way. No matter how powerful, because women are coming out more and more, but essentially you've been a second-class citizen in society, even in modern society. So I have no problem with hearing about what you're advising women as as advice to women. And you also ask women, just as you spoke about, to embrace the power of their feminine heart, to embrace it fully. So and without drawing men into that, what does that mean for women? What are you asking them to draw out of that heart? And how do they use that to express or shift their life? Hmm. So I really believe that a woman's power is in her heart. That is our power center, 100%. Our body and our heart, not our minds. Our minds can go along for the ride and they can help us figure stuff out. But we've been so bred to believe that our feminine power and our feminine wisdom and intuition is, you know, we get woo-wooed and poo-pooed away, <laughs> I like to say. And, um, and, 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 and so many of the women I work with and so many of the young women I work with, they have no clue how their intuition works. They are, they're, they're disconnected from their hearts. And if we're disconnected from our hearts, we can't create worlds from compassion and, or courage and so that fierce feminine heart it's that it's that fierce mother within you it's that fierce part that looks around and says this is not okay with me this is not okay with me this is not okay with me in my own life this is not okay for my children this is not okay for the world and she's willing to stand up and say that and with fierceness but it's like a grounded fierceness so we see a lot out there right now what I would call um, distorted power, distorted power coming out of women's voices. It's 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 like rage and like but like not not grounded holy rage. It's like rage just just spewed all over the place and goes everywhere. And and we don't taught we're not taught as women how to be in our fierceness. And so it comes out oftentimes sideways. We we embody what we think power looks like as it's shown in the man. And even a lot of that is distorted power. Um, some of the most powerful women I know, even my partner, who has taught me more about the feminine <laughs> than pretty much other than my teachers, um, he's he's grounded and fierce in his voice. He doesn't have to yell, he doesn't have to raise his voice. He's just he can you know, sort of work with his energy and his presence. And so that part of us 
is like, no more will we keep destroying the planet. No more. Like what it's like that, the words are no more, like no more. And I think if that awoke in all women's hearts, we would figure out how to change all of this pretty fast. Um, pretty fast. But, um, what I see in a lot of the women I work with is they're trying to succeed at the wrong game. And what is that wrong game? Is that the game of trying to be like the man in that situation or? I think it's trying to succeed in the system Mm -hmm. that is clearly not built for a woman's success unless she can emulate a man. Um, and or it's, it's trying to succeed in an unattainable version of what being a good, strong woman looks like. And in this process that I've been in my research, I actually had an opportunity. I went back to speak. I'm like, I need to go back to the people who were like awake and alive and adults during the 1960s and seventies. I, I was born in the 1970s because you know, there was this rising that, you know, it was like, we're, I'm like, what happened? You know, what was going on? And, well, why are we here? And to understand that, to go back and write it through. And I was able to talk to um, several people, including Gloria Steinem. And her and I were able to have a one-on-one conversation. And and I asked her why we were here. And there were multiple things that are, that are so much about making choices. And, and one of the things she said is the systems just didn't change. And there weren't enough conscious people in places of power and authority, certainly not enough women. So we had to kind of suck it up and put on shoulder pads and cut our hair, wear bow ties and, you know, do what we needed to do, you know, to play the game. And as I started like seeing this, I would go to these women's conferences where there'd be thousands of these women and it'd be all about women's empowerment and women's empowerment. But they really didn't know how powerful they were that they, cause they were still trying to figure out how to find work-life balance in a game where it's impossible and, and trying to get a seat at the table, which is not the table we want to be. Like, I'm like, forget the table. Let's go outside and sit around the tree over there and like, you know, the kitchen table and roll our sleeves up and get real as, as changes always happen and stop trying to fight to, to be accepted. You talked about this in your intro to be validated, to be accepted by not just by men, but by the system that values domination, accumulation, power over. It's the wrong game. If we just all dropped our bags and say, not playing, and this is what happened to me. I'm like, I'm not going to play in this growth game and work as an employee inside of a company that that's what this is tied to. I mean, I've, I've left game after game after game. And it's not, I have, I don't have more money because of it. I mean, that's true. But I have everything I need. And I have more of what actually matters. And that's, that'll bring you to your edge, you know? And what's happened is we've constructed lives. People have two houses. They have kids in private schools. They, you know, it's like you tra- we're trapped, you know, for the, we're trapped. And either whether you're on the top end of the economic scale or the bottom end of the end of the scale, I don't even know if anyone's still in the middle or you know, what's going on. But we trap ourselves. Like, you know, I had trapped myself in a big mortgage and I trapped myself with credit card debt. And I had to find a different way. Like what you said at the beginning, that's what everything I teach is about. There is a different way and you're not going to find it in the mind. You're not going to find it in a traditional leadership book. You're going to find it in the wisdom traditions and you're going to find it in your imagination and your heart. That's where the answers are to creating the new world. I believe. You know, one thing that you brought out when you were talking about all that, in my opinion, 
is that the reason the 60s didn't have as much of a rising of consciousness as people like to think. There were some. But what they had was a rising of opposition mm-hmm. to the Vietnam War. And once the Vietnam War was settled, like I'm surrounded where I live in California with with former hippies that became marijuana farmers before it was legal and, and now are millionaires guarding their land, you know, that type of thing. So their mindset shifted because there was no more external opposition. Once the war ended, they said, oh, okay, okay, I'll just go find a place I can get high and do that. So a lot of people gave up, whereas what you're talking about and overwhelmed and over it is the internal work. We need to make that internal change not the external change. Like you said, it wasn't about the house. It wasn't about painting a room, adding a room or anything else. It was about what you did inside that created the shift in how you looked at your life and how you lived it. And that's what overwhelmed and and over it is really about, is about people going through it's It's, I don't want to call it a workbook because it's not, but it has exercises for people to go through. And they're very gentle exercises, except, if you can't be honest with yourself, this is the, the key right in there. And you, go ahead. <laughs> you caught that. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, it's, it's a book of self-awareness and self, systemic awareness and self-awareness and self-empowerment. Yeah. And you can't change what you can't see. And once you see it, you have to be able to be honest with yourself in order to be empowered to do things differently and that's where the hard part is because that's where you actually have to be honest and sometimes being honest oftentimes we're afraid of the consequence like if i'm honest i'm going to have to change something um, or i'm going to have to go look inside of here even really spiritual people when i started teaching self-love 12 years ago I would go to spirit. I went to the Unity Church and Center for Spiritual Living and all of that. And I, the, the, the looks I would get even there, I'm like, how many people here would like, you know, really truly would like say like, I am on a journey to love myself. And I would like, they'd all look at me and I'm like, we are in the Unity Church people. What is happening? <laughs> you know, what is happening here? And or like, they were willing to like be like, oh yeah, self-love, oh, compassion. And it was like all this airy, no cotton candy. Exactly, exactly. Let's all break there. down and get realzio about what it actually means to accept yourself yeah. and to be, to, to be honest with yourself. And it's, like it's challenging. It isn't hard, but it's challenging. Yeah. And but it's the path to freedom. It's well, the path to freedom. And you're right. We have to be willing to look at ourselves. But one of the things you also shared about too is that you recommend that the first hour of the day and the last hour yes. of the day are the most important. And and I was thinking about that because I do my practices morning and evening. And when I get in bed and when I get it before I actually get out of bed in the morning. And certainly during the day. But could you share with the listeners why that first hour and that last hour are really important for maintaining that balance and harmony in our lives? I will. Um, so I'm all about the bigger perspective and I'm also about being really practical. And here's the thing. The world's intense out there and it's been getting more intense. And so the level of emotional and energetic noise and energy, even for those of us that have strong meditation practices and strong whatever, it's like, I see some of the people who've been meditating for 20 years are completely blown out because it's <laughs> they don't have the physical practice mm-hmm. um, and the emotional practice. And so to break it down, this is a practice that I do that I recommend that we all do right now, which is called bookending your day. And you talked about it at the beginning, which is yogic science teaches 
The first hour of your day is what will set you up for how you go through your day. So if you don't start the day and think about it right now, what are the, for the first hour of your day, what are you interacting with? What are you ingest, ingesting? What are you letting into the field of your, yourself emotionally, energetically? What's, what, what's streaming into your home? And so if those things are, and really my rule is no interacting with the outside world or people who don't live with you or things that don't create harmony in the first hour of the day. You don't have to sit on a cushion for an hour. It's just how <laughs> you do your day, right? Which means don't reach for the cell phone. Don't go on social media. Don't go on email. Don't start work. Don't call, pick up the phone. If your mother who creates stress in your life calls you, like that hour is like, is sacred. And the word sacred means holy, which means wholeness. So you want to really cultivate wholeness in that morning. And in Overwhelmed and Over, I talk about the four points of connection, which includes physical connection to the body and the earth, universal or spiritual connection, depending on your cosmology around that, connection to self and connection to others. And I also talk about the three points of protection. So there's a way that you create and a strong magnetic field so that as you then interact with the world, it's like this, it's like Glenda the Good Witch in the winter, in the winter of Oz, right? It's like only the good stuff gets in or like the earth has a magnetic field and it keeps other people's emotions from triggering and amplifying your own anxiety and fear. Now, same thing on the other side, at the end of the day, you need a downshifting practice. And, and I actually downshift over the course of a couple hours, but for like simplicity, I say the last hour of your, your day, yogic science teaches what you put into your psyche and your body and your field that last hour goes to bed with you, which then affects how you wake up. So if you're watching television, all of that emotion and all those people are now sleeping in your psyche and you have to work through it. If you are on a game or you're on the Facebook, all that energy is going to bed with you. If you're eating chocolate, you know, which I love chocolate, but I really try not to eat it, <laughs> you know, after, before, after four o'clock, um, or at least at not that last hour. And so that, so then what I'm asking everyone to do is get aware of that last hour and ask yourself, is this draining me or is this sustaining me? And there's something likely for most of us where we sabotage ourselves. Yogi's Yogi science says 97% of all um, self-sabotage starts in the evening hours, mm. especially now um, with COVID and stuff. People are bored. They don't have to do. And so they're like, you know, they, you have to have, you have to have things to release. If you release the things that aren't draining you, what can you do instead that is sustaining to you? That is, and, and, and so like things that I do, for example, is like, I make sure I change my clothes to say, I am now downshifting. So I have this beautiful mm. silk robe I put on, I take off my work clothes. Like mm. that's one thing that I do. Um, I turn down all my lights so I don't have any overhead lights going on. Like these little things, I, I have special music that's like specific to my downshifting time to say, body, we are now down, body, we are now downshifting. And I, and I generally never watch movies in the last hour before I go to bed, I read it last night. I was reading Joel Goldsmith and um, like, I find like, you know, like things that, that are, I don't read self-help even <laughs> ever that last hour. Like I read things that are just soul nourishing, not making right. me think with my mind. That's beautiful. And, and that seems like a simple practice. You, you actually bring several things in, in the book, especially, and I'm going to bring them in, for women because they're targeted that way. 
But one, you ask women to reconnect with their natural rhythm. And so maybe you can explain that to let them know what is their natural rhythm. So when they're bookending their day, during their day, what's the natural rhythm we want them to connect with? Well, think of the natural rhythm of a day is the sun rises and the sun goes down. And I'm looking at my window right now um, above the Puget Sound and the crescent moon is in the sky. It will be a half moon. Um, And so the teaching is when you, this is is across yogic science, feminine wisdom and indigenous wisdom. When you harmonize your life with the natural rhythms, the natural cycles, your life, your work and everything in it actually come into harmony. And we've been so trained to have to work in a very non-natural way that most people don't know what their rhythm is. And so we have you a know, nine to five job or you have to get up at seven. Like we get like all this stuff. It's not natural. It's like, you know, I naturally wake up usually at seven 30 is my natural wake up time in the summer. Um, in the winter, sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's later, but if I have nothing else to do, that's when I will wake up. But most people, like before the COVID, like had, I go, why are people getting out of their houses and leaving the house at like 5.30 in the morning or still, no, everyone go back home. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not natural. It's not natural. It isn't natural and it's man-made. And, and even our time structure is man-made. January right, right. 1st is not the start of the new year. It's the start of the new year now, but Julius Caesar changed it. It used to be March equinox. And so the yearly cycle wasn't 12 months before it was 13 moon cycles. So literally we have like we have one less cycle in our year. No wonder we don't have enough time. And so a big part of my teaching and why I founded my feminine wisdom school is to help women get back in tune with the daily cycle. This is like that's why we do the bookends, a weekly cycle where like on Saturday or Sunday or sometime you have a Sabbath day, a reset day. Follow the moon cycles. I plan my business by the moon cycles. I do. I like. <laughs> I'm always know where the moon is. And then the yearly cycles, like winter solstice, is a time for reflection. So every year I do a. Ref- I hold a reflection ritual, and I mm-hmm. do that. At the summer solstice, it's about creative power and coming out. And the equinoxes are about are pausing and rebalancing. And I like. I literally run my business this way, and I work with other organizations to like run, like stop, pause. So it's like, it seems like so simple. And I think, I don't know if you find this or not, but I find that we discount a lot of things that are simple as insignificant. And the things that are actually the simplest, which are so, are they're like, it's actually how the natural world works, that that's actually where the superpower is. I actually, just to answer your question, I absolutely do agree that we discount the simple, the simple and direct. And we act as if we have to make it more profound. And if we make it more profound, it has more meaning. And all it really is is just we've we've just added lard on top of something that's important. So you also share with women a big case of cultivating sisterhood. But I want to throw a couple of things together with this. First, you talk about that... um, that there are different areas that we need to deal with in our mind, our emotional, our mental, our physical, our spiritual, which you've touched on. You recommend that they cultivate sisterhood. But one of the things that I found was important goes along with your issue of resetting the expectations of the people around you. I used to always, in my introductions, and my ex-wife never liked it, but since she's my ex-wife, she doesn't have to hear it again. It was, is that I've, I've lived many lives in one. So at each phase of my life, I've had very distinct groups of friends, and very few of them have survived all the shifts. 
going up. And part of that is, which I think goes along with this sisterhood, is recognize the people that are supportive of what you're trying to do in your life and release the people that can no longer support you. And it's not a question of judgment. It's just a question of your need. So when you're suggesting that women find sisterhood, can you expand on what you would like them to look for, what you would like them to do, and and how you would recommend they explore whether they need to release their sisterhood they have and gain a new one, or how they can build the sisterhood they had if it had supported them? Yeah, that's we pretty do, big. That's pretty yeah, big. You could do a whole podcast series and I, <laughs> on yeah. that alone, but I'll, I'll, I'll put a, a thread there. Um, I mean, I think we all know that most of us, most people I know feel a disconnection from, we feel disconnected. And so there are, when I talk about sisterhood sure. is, um, I think one of the biggest traps for people are two things. One, we, we think that because we've known someone for a long time, that means that there are close soul family sisterhood. <laughs> and that is not true. Um, in my relationship teaching, um, I teach about, I call it the relationship rings. And there are these four different levels of relationships that determine the level of connection and intimacy we have. That's the original class. Those are people you share a common history with. And so I think sometimes we get confused if I have to release the person versus I have to release the relationship and what the relationship has been and what the expectations have been. So if you're finding that you have relationships in your life that aren't meeting your expectations where the, that person, you know, isn't, isn't, can't show up or isn't showing up. I always say like, like for me, I know I've chosen like you, I've chosen to elevate and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Not all my friends and the people who were really close to me have. And I have to remind myself, I'm the one who kept growing. I chose that. And so not to blame or judge them, but be like, actually, that means I need to cultivate more sisterhood. I need to bring new people into my life or look at people who are already in my life and decide and choose, hey, I want to I want to develop a more meaningful, deep, intimate relationship with you. Now, the other thing about sisterhood that's important to say to women is because I've worked with women for a long time and they have they, they want it, but they resist it. They resist it hard because what I call, um, what I call feminine fear and, um, a long line of, um, of betrayal and, um, mistrust of other women. And I had a session with a woman I'm mentoring right now and she was expressing grief about her mother, um, had a stroke and is incapacitated and her mother was like her, like one friend she could always rely on and was always there for her. And her mother, um, has, can't be there that way anymore. And as we got, deeper into her heart, what was true is she was, she was missing mother love, which we all need, but she also has a lot of wounding around women's relate. I have, I, you know, like women's relationships as we got in there, she was like, well, it's not safe to have relationships with other women because you can't trust them. And, and so we, we had to dive into like that part. And that's what I find with a lot of women. There's a lot of competition, still a lot of comparison, a lot of like, what I call the lone wolf or the ghosting where they, they show up and then they disappear. And, and I think it's a big reason. I I would say it's a big reason why the momentum that started in the sixties and seventies didn't keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got to look at that as women and we got to look at it at ourselves. And I'd say, you know, to share with all of you, 
the, my relationship with men, once I got rid of the ex-person and I figured that out about myself and I'm like, oh, love myself, got it, okay, good. <laughs> like, really went in there, like, my relationship with men, all good. <laughs> but the women, boy, that has been a challenge and a half. And maybe someday I'll write a book about that too. But right now I just basically, the way I work with it is I cultivate groups of women that cultivate sisterhood and I, we explore sisterhood together and when weird stuff comes up, we stand there and we work through it and we work past it and, that's um that's what I'm doing. My part is to bring together conscious women in real sisterhood. Well, and not to not to add a bad note to that and see what you think about this, but I think we need to look at those supportive relationships as something we we buy when we find, so to speak. In other words, if I'm looking for something at the store today and they don't have it, that doesn't mean I have to buy a lesser version of it. I can wait till I find it. And, and it's very important to have those relationships that support us. So that may not be the, the way you would want to express it because you probably don't want relationships to be something we buy, but we need to understand that, that they may not be there today. We have to be willing to, to find them because they'll be worth it. For sure. And we also have to know that relationships actually are, they get into what I call our love cracks that we have in our heart, the deeper wounds, Mm -hmm. and it will trigger us like no one's business. And then we will project onto that person, the wound that's in here. And so it's, it's, it's a realm of you really need self-awareness and um, self-honesty and, um, and, 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 you know, one thing I would leave everybody with is two parts on that is one trust people show you who they are. And who they have the capacity to be, believe them. And when they can't and they don't show up the way that you want them to, it is not about how much they love you. Right. It is about who they can be at that time. So don't make it about you. And number two, sisterhood, real sisterhood, takes space and commitment and time. So you actually have to make it a priority in your life. It doesn't just happen. But- well, Christine, I have to say that there's so much we could have discussed about your book because I think it's a rich wealth of information and it's for everybody to read. It's focused certainly for women as a guide because, but it's not as if men can't use it. What would you like people who read it to really take away from overwhelmed and over it? Mm. <sighs> I think I would like everyone to take away that wherever you're, wherever you're stuck or struggling or things aren't working or you're overextended or whatever it might be, that it's not your fault. Like you've done the best that you can do. And if you could really just say that to yourself, it's not my fault. It takes the blame and the shame and the judgment, lets it start to melt away. And then from that place of compassion and empowerment, I'd say, but you are, and you are the one who has the power to change it. Um, and you don't have to figure it out alone. You get to do it in co-creation with the universe, with other people, support. We can't do this. I have a tremendous support network around me and it wasn't always that way. Um, but we have to open up our hearts to receive. And I think what we're facing is a receiving crisis. You know, <laughs> it's like we really have a hard time receiving and opening up our hearts. And so. I'd say, you know, if you hear a lot, especially in the, the the conscious world of body, mind, spirit, don't forget the heart. It's body, mind, spirit, heart. And um, until we get that, um, I don't think we can actually elevate as a as a as a human species. Well, I'd like to remind everybody, we've been talking with Christine Arilo, the author of Overwhelmed and Over It, 
a book intended for women to gain awareness of their consciousness and embrace their full power to, as she says in the book, embrace their feminine heart and not live to everyone else's expectations. So, uh, Christine, although I asked that as if that was your final thought or question, is there anything else you would like to share? We certainly had so much we could have covered but didn't get to. Are there any final thoughts you would like to share? I just put there, I'd share two questions. Is the question I'm asking everyone right now as we end this year and we go into the next year is to, is to take a pause and look around your life and ask yourself, what is no longer sustainable? What is no longer sustainable? What's not working? And look at your work life, look at your relationships, look at how you designed your life, your health, your wealth, your home, your life design, and be honest with yourself. You even write out, you know, write out a list. Um, and, and then from that place, go into the new year with that place of, okay, these, this is no longer sustainable. And also ask yourself, what is sustaining me? That would be the second question. Cause you want to grow that. You want to see that already. And you take that into the new year and January is, is known in the indigenous world as the dreaming time. So here's how it works. Winter solstice, stop, pause. Um, I do a reflection ritual every year. You're all invited. Reflectionritual.com. Um, come and we'll lead you through it. January, I spend the whole month of January dreaming. Um, and I, I have a four week process that I take other people through that I go through that's called emerge. And then in February, February 1st at Imbolc, we put our seeds in the ground. And so by Equinox, stuff is starting to sprout. And that is, um, it's a different way to achieve. Um, but it's a way that we achieve in which we also receive what we need. And I think that's a really important part. When I do my visioning and goal setting is I don't even say yes to all the goals until I've considered what do I need to receive to do these things? So I used to invite people that this gets to be an opening for us all to do things differently, even if we've been on a spiritual path or a consciousness path or whatever, how awake we think we are. None of us are done. Um, none of us are done. Never. So that was reflectionritual.com for people who are interested in following up on that. And then what is the best website for people to connect with you? So you can go to overwhelmedandoverit.com. That's the book site, but it also is my website. So it'll take you to my website. And my website is Christine Arilo, A-R-Y-L-O.com. Um, and then connect with me at my Feminine Power Time podcast. That's my best way to stay also connected to me. Um, I love I love this format. It's a great way for us all to come together and have really good conversation, meaningful conversation. Well, there was Christine Arilo, and her book is Overwhelmed and Over It. Embrace your power to stay centered and sustained in a chaotic world. Thank you so much for everything, Christine. And I want to remind the listeners that the year 2020 reminds us what Oscar Wilde said. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. And as we prepare to close out November and head into the last month of 2020, remember, be blind to failure. He who cherishes a beautiful vision, a lofty ideal in his heart, will one day realize it. Mm -hmm. And that you make a unique contribution to the world. As we close, I want to share, of course, that beautiful poem from Albert Camus, In the Midst of Winter. In the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me 
and invincible calm. And I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. No matter how hard the world pushes against you within you, there's something stronger, something better pushing right back. And whatever you give, do so from your heart. Choose to express love in all your encounters. Live and practice loving kindness in all situations. Accept yourself fully and love yourself unconditionally. And open fully to love by surrendering all to love. You're not the victim. You have a choice. Thank you for listening to Good Vibrations Radio. We'll talk again Friday, December 4th, 5 to 6 p.m. And I'll speak with Eve Crow, a shamanic healer and teacher, who will bless us and heal us as we close out 2020. So until then, remember to turn the lead in your life into gold. Thank you for listening. Many blessings. Namaste. Namaste.